Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Eddie is known for his lavish lifestyle, including traveling by helicopter. He drives Ferraris. He wears alligator skin boots. This might be a little bit of a hint. <laughs> it's like we see Silicon Valley. They come up with the idea. They have the brilliant app or whatever it might be. And then when yeah. they move to the next stage... That person graciously steps aside into a more of a chief technology officer role. The person who's running it and who comes in as a chief operating officer or chief executive officer, you're taking it to that next step. Yeah, and it takes humility to do that. Alligator shoes and humility, there's... I'd like to see that Venn diagram. And honestly, listeners, if you do wear alligator shoes and have a lot of humility, please reach out. <laughs> we would really love to listen to you. And for our sister podcast that we're considering... Hello and welcome to The Big Con, the podcast where we use the benefit of hindsight and a healthy dose of schadenfreude to look at where businesses took a misstep that had an impact on either their profit, their brand or something much more dire. As always, I'm Emily, Harvard degree candidate. And I continue to be Dale, big business nerd. (laughs) Strategy isn't just for the big players, so no matter what size business you work on, tune in as we learn through the failures of the poor souls that have gone before us. And today, Dale, you have a story for me. And I have no idea what I'm getting myself into today. Which is excellent. Uh, And I want to first congratulate one of our listeners who actually came to us for this idea. So, no way. Listeners. We don't do this just for them. We do this uh, for our own uh, purposes. But definitely, uh, if you're listening, thank you and welcome. Uh, please leave a review and and follow on your podcast app of choice if you are here. But today's story comes because I was at work the other day and someone came out to me and said, Wait, I have one for you. Child cares. What's up with them? You've got money coming in. <laughs> Seem to be a revolving door of repeat business because they're still children. That's yeah. business. Yeah. They're ruddy expensive. And how do they end up going belly up? And they got me thinking. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. How, how do they end up going up? And I need to apologise that horrible impersonation. This lovely fellow who came up to me. <laughs> so I began Googling to try and find the perfect case study for a strategically poor childcare that may point to broader problems within the industry. Mm. And I found one. I found probably the best one. Mm. It's a sad strategic story of ABC Childcare, an Australian mm. company that was floated on the ASX in 2002, 2001. Oh my gosh. Value. I didn't even know that child cares would be floated on the ASX. That's so interesting. I know. It's a, it's a massive business. We'll get to that mm. in a second. Mm. Peaked in value about $3.4 billion. So, decent amount of cash. In a few short years, it had about 2,300 different centers right across the globe. So, it went global. And then it fell into voluntary administration. Story we've heard before, but let's dive into where it went wrong. Mm. And when we do that, we'll start where we always should, at the beginning. Eddie Groves who, funnily enough, still has a LinkedIn page, or at least one I could find, that says he's still the CEO of ABC Learning. Eddie, may want to update that. But (laughs) Eddie was the founder of ABC Learning. Now, a Korea Mail article writes that Edmund Stewart Groves was born in South Africa. There's plenty of entrepreneurial stories that surround Eddie. He's got a military father, and he's telling him stories about the price of gold instead of singing him Twinkle Twinkle of a nighttime. There was influence (laughs) from his mother, too. She worked very closely with special needs children, so you can see where he kind of wanted to get into the industry. Mm. 
1970 comes around, the whole family moves to Brisbane, Australia. There's articles interviewing his classmates and his teachers in Brisbane schools and talking about how, oh, yes, he was always going to be successful. Yes, he's very good, about, good a good entrepreneurial prowess. Eddie does a few jobs. He's on the hunt for a recession-proof business. He acquires a single childcare centre in Brisbane in 1988. He and his wife get a bit of a move on, and after a $20 million loan, they begin building their childcare empire to 31 centres by 2001 before listing on the ASX. So just to recap, mm. 1988, buys his first one over about 11 years, buys some more, gets into a bit of debt, which is fine at the time, buys some more centres, and then bang, they are on the ASX stock exchange. Wow. Things start to get exciting. ABC Learning experiences exponential growth. It's kind of comparable to the dot-com bubble at the time, and the growth has led ABC investors seeing the immense value, resulting in Eddie who holds about 50% ownership in ABC Learning, becoming the second richest man in Australia. Eddie is known by... Yeah, I know. Eddie is known for his lavish lifestyle, including travelling by helicopter, he drives Ferraris, he wears alligator skin boots. This might be a little bit of a hint (laughs) of where this might be going. Paints paints a bit of a picture. Uh, He's also reported to have strong connections within the government at the time, which as we know with childcare, or you may not know, but with childcare, there's a lot of government subsidies that really Mm -hmm. help the industry. You get the picture. Other articles report that Eddie is named as a director at over 40 plus other different companies, as well as ABC Learning. He's apparently distributing milk. He's doing online gaming. He owned a basketball team. He's a busy lad and he's just getting it done. Fast Eddie by name and by nature. <laughs> by 2005, across Australia and New Zealand, there's reported 697 early childhood education centres under that ABC banner. This includes acquisitions of different networks. So the way he kind of grew so fast is he saw a company that maybe had 10 under their banner, so a similar kind of thing like ABC Learning. He said, well, I want that one, and he'll acquire that network. So they were able mm. to kind of grow and grow and grow. This probably doesn't sit too well with similar community-run childcare institutions because it's kind of like more and more privatization effectively. Mm. But alas, the behemoth keeps growing and it's a thing that's needed because the population is growing over that time and the population is growing, there's more need for childcare. Theory here is grow, grow, grow. And through the economy of scale, the profits will be in the margins there. So the more that they have, they can maybe save some money on some of the back office things that might need it in that childcare space. Any questions so far, Emily? No, but I'm intrigued. The suspicion in her voice. (laughs) ANZ is not enough. They need to go beyond the Australian New Zealand area. So Eddie busts into the international scene. He acquires another 467 centres in the US and Southeast Asia, again, mm. through acquiring pretty much a giant network. Some back of the napkins calculations say that roughly there's 120,000 children that are able to grace ABC learning facilities. So that's effectively clientele that he's servicing. Interesting in itself, I think if you start to consider 120,000 and a $3.4 billion valuation, but you can't really put a value on children, obviously. Yeah, but and their education and future. But this does. Childcare has massive government subsidies behind it as there's an incentive to get parents back into the workforce and to get into the workforce, they need to have their kids in childcare mostly and whether that's looking after grandparents or a formalised childcare arrangement. But if, if what you're paying for childcare eclipses what your wage is, mm-hmm. the question is, what's the point? So it creates a compelling circumstance for governments to subsidize. And also Mr. Groves at one point is quoted saying, well, like, can't help but make some little bit of money when you're, when you're doing this. 
40% of the income to ABC Learning is reportedly coming from government subsidies. Interesting, like the, the thought of if 40% of your income is a subsidy, what does profit making look like in that space? And the ethics and things around that, but I have so many more paragraphs. (laughs) Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. (laughs) A Sydney Morning Herald article projected that in 2008, ABC Learning was going to net $379 million. Not bad. The same article praised ABC Learning for its business operations, finding the best suburbs for daycares, apparently the thing called Nappy Valley. So where there's the best place to have a child care because there's there's customers, the kids. And it's got a quite a clever business model. When I was reading through this article, it seems that it was written in a slightly speculative way. It was kind of like, oh, well, I'm assuming this is what they're doing based on on how they're making money and all the value that's in this company. It's not all sunshine days. You just want to mm. make that clear because ABC also plays a bit mean and there's reports of childcare stuff under payments and they're quite, they're apparently squashed with Groves doing at one point the secretary of the union, not to mention the staff are under stringent confidentiality agreements. What? And a bit of a, there's a bit of a bait and switch where he's like, Hey, we only got 80% staff turnover. So they must be happy. And plus we give our staff our shares in ABC learning. As soon as they start, it's a bit of a signing bonus. It's like, it's fine. Plus if you're considering putting up a competition in the area, so you might be like, Oh, this, this seems like a, I might, I might have my own childcare business here. Eddie is about, and he he might knock on your door, or Maury's legal team might, and and say something like, oh, yeah, a bit of competition here, not, not on, I don't think you should be doing that. And when you're dealing with a behemoth like ABC Learning, which it was becoming with a giant legal team, it was pretty much a race to the bottom for that small David and Goliath mm. impact. And there's stories of a small community centre arguing with, and they were just got into so much legal fights that it just wasn't worth their time and effort in the end. <sighs> There's a story of ABC Learning announcing a doubling of its half-year profits at one point, but in the same week, effectively refusing to pay a $200 fine. A fine that they were up against because a two-year-old managed to escape one of its properties in Victoria whilst on supervision, and there's a fine there. But there's a lot more we can read into that around the fact that it sets up precedents, who are you actually suing there, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Uh, the competition watchdog did get involved a few times as well and to make sure that things were all fair for the customer. And there was one rather large acquisition that occurred at some point, but competition watchdog was like, oh, no, no, that's that's not fine. That's this regional monopolies that are here. But for me, I feel like that's a, a mere obstacle for the growth that was expired by um, ABC Learning at the time. Mm. So why did it all go wrong? Well, it starts, as it often does, with a stock announcement. Or in this case, the lack of one. Something that the stock market hates to see and the line that often comes out is that we actually can't release anything because our, our profits are due and they need to report to the market. And they say they can't release anything because they can't actually get official sign-off. Horrendous. Oh, is the word. After the dust clears so what, around So sign-off from like the auditing companies? The directors of the time is is what the uh, these article said. Oh. Regardless, they just can't release the article. Yes. The dust clears and the announcement finally comes. And it's the announcement that brings a 42% drop in half-year profits. Not good. $760 million is wiped off the value of ABC Learning. What? Yuck. Crisis times. Directors, they're dumping shares, and the core of the business strategy is pretty much in tatters. 
you can see it playing out a little bit with Domino's at the moment. Their whole strategy was very much grow, 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 grow. And all of a sudden when that narrative changes and they're not able to grow, people get a little bit, bit nervous. Push comes to shove and ABC Learning is eventually placed into voluntary liquidation, a collapse that was about to impact over 100,000 children. And of course, their parents Whoa, from the workforce. Oh my God. Not surprisingly, Eddie quits his CEO role and the creditors are crying out to the tune of $2.7 billion. That's right, debt, 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 debt. And the Aussie oh government needs to step in so the childcare doesn't close. Now, there's a company who steps in every now and then when you're at this stage that you really don't want. They're called McGrath Nickel. They are pretty mm. much known for restructuring companies. And they come in and they try to find where the value might be, and they try to salvage it and restructure the business for parts and so that they can package it up to something good. And so that's what they do. They get rid of the unprofitable sections of ABC Learning. There were certain things like training centers, et cetera, that just weren't making money. And they found the underperforming centers and they said, well, you're, you're out of here. We don't need you. Like You're not worth it. You're, it's cost more money to keep you running. They are able to return the core business to profit and they sell it off to Goodstar. But the damage is already done. ABC Learning is gone. Eddie and a few other directors are on trial for breaching directors' duties, aka you're so bad at your job, it needed to go to court. Mm. It has recently been cleared up. They've all been found non-guilty at this point. Everything seems to be fine or, or smoothed over. There's this weird little thread about the CFO concealing a cheeky $46 million around what? and being found guilty, being sent to jail, and then immediately released on a $2,000 bail and a good behavior bond. The district court judge said that he apparently acted on instructions of Eddie. Right now, I'm going to put that in the whole bucket of the that was so bad at their job kind of comment that I made beforehand. Oh, my God. Yeah. What's to blame? Yeah. Not surprisingly, growth. It's a similar period to the global financial crisis. And for me, I feel like before that time, debt wasn't a scary, scary word. Post-GFC, debt was terrifying. Mm. They were acquiring other companies, other childcares at the rate of knots and all through debt rather than using actually profits. There's this fascinating notion of um, childcare operators that were effectively developing and spinning up with the sole intention of hopefully selling to ABC Learning. So almost like, oh, cool, we'll just pull, mm. pull. We'll get it as perfect as they can. We'll fit them all to ABC Learning and hopefully Eddie comes in and buys it for a big sack of cash because that's what they'll know to do. And as I said, the whole story was one of growth. It's just how their astronomical value and valuation came in. And the investors were happy to disregard just how they came to that growth. ABC Learning's collapse sent a ripple through the Aussie childcare industry. Kind of created a run for us, run moment. Finances. Yet as day rates shot back up amidst the shortage, new centers enticed investors back into the mix. So effectively a blip. Interestingly, during this period of time, there was lots of other childcare centers that tried to, to list on the ASX stock exchange and just weren't able to, didn't fund that value and went through similar motions on a much shorter time scale. It's wow. just that ABC Learning had that scale. There's a lot of chatter around maybe oversupply and the government funding changes that may, mm. may cause some, some cloudy skies. But I don't think we can put the apocalypse glasses on yet for the charcoal centers. The industry did self-adjust and it's what it is now. Full disclosure, didn't do any research into the last three years. Uh, currently have children in childcare and I prefer to be ignorant right now. <laughs> exorbitant money leaves the bank account. I don't think we, we picked the end of the exact issue around child cares, but mm. definitely you know a little bit more about ABC Learning. So picture this, a business, ABC Learning, 
that was as stable as a tower of jelly, trying to survive an elephant stomp, which was the truth coming through. And the elephant stomp was bearing debt. I feel like I've tried to do a metaphor again, but bear with me. And yeah. I couldn't get another cent. It collapsed like a flan in a cupboard. Did that work? Yep. I don't believe you. <laughs> But we've recorded that was good. It. And it's good. It's creative. It's so creative. So there's a few lessons I think we can take from this, mm. but I think we do it after the break. Sounds good. See you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Emily, we are back. ABC loading. Can you take your fancy? Any lessons that you think we could, we could pick up? There's a few, yeah. I mean... Growth is obviously, and like rapid growth, one of the biggest things that we study at school in terms of like business strategy, because it is such a common thread of how businesses fall over, but it is such a common goal for people like Eddie in wanting to grow super fast, be the next big CEO, be the next unicorn or whatever it is. Rapid growth doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but I think one of the things that really struck me is that we talked a lot about floating on the ASX. We talked a lot about growth. We talked about a lot about acquiring businesses in this episode. But what struck me was that we're talking about childcare centres. <laughs> and it was like sort of a pivot for me because I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that these would be sort of mm. things that we would be discussing in a childcare centre episode. Mm. And I think What's really important to remember is at the end of the day, you're offering a product or you're providing a service and the end user of that service needs something. And if you're rapid fire growing and you're not thinking about your service or the needs of your end user, because in this case, the customer and the end user are different. The customer is the parents. The end user are the children. Yeah. So the children have to be learning. They have to be enjoying their time. They have to be um, protected, looked after, protected, cared in for in a safe environment, a, cl- a clean environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Health and safety, all that kind of stuff. And what we didn't hear a lot about in this episode is the operations, how they scaled childcare. So, like, mm. how they were going to look at. Looking after children and providing mm. parents with that peace of mind that their children were cared for in a personalized. And that's the big thing about it is it needed to be personalized to children and the individual children that were attending these child cares in different areas. So different children in different areas and from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnicities, different, all this kind of stuff, they're going to have vastly different needs. And that might be down to the researcher who did this episode, who only looked <laughs> at the business side of things and, no, and looked but- at particular articles like Money Smarts and, and the rest. <laughs> but I didn't really find many stories around the amazing experience of the ABC learning. And it's going to yeah. be something, I did find one article around the centres were lux, like they were 
the state of the art equipment, et cetera, et cetera, apparently, but they were yeah. targeted at a very certain market who could yeah. afford that. And so that's where that yeah. bit of second class community citizen element came through. But I think what your point is around it, something like a childcare environment, there's risk of having giant privatized cookie cutter yeah. experiences yeah. for humans who are unique individuals and to start them off that page for something with quite high cost and not only high cost to the parent, but to the yeah. taxpayer. Yeah. You and at the end sure of the day, the- if the if the customers aren't happy, even the stuff about them acquiring lots of centres and squashing any competition that was sort of yeah. rising up, it sort of goes against what you're trying to achieve, which is childcare. Even people who have lots of money, yeah. they want the best for their kids and they <laughs> know that that doesn't happen in an unpersonalised environment. They want their child to be the special one that is cared for. That's not to say that, you know, the staff weren't able to achieve that because a lot of people that work in childcare centres have the patience of saints. and oh, could may- not do it. No. And the staff that you hire for this kind of role may have been mm. the saving grace for them in the short term because they were the ones that are providing the individualization of the child's care because... Mm. Eddie can't possibly manage that individually per centre. So, but he did seem to be extremely- Can I strap my evil capitalism hat on for a second? Yeah. I agree with you in in a world where there's no limits to anything and everything's fine, but there's, it's almost like big box childcare. Yeah. There's there's going to be a space for a cookie cutter approach that- is needed in that space to provide efficiencies and I think mm-hmm. and and hopefully a cheaper option. It's the reason why lovely department stores and cheaper department stores exist versus yeah. Yeah. your boutique options. For me, it's the narrative that got away from everything. And I think even in researching this, there was nothing about the childcare and the child were an afterthought versus the business, which was the main focus. Mm. ABC Learning lost control of their story. And their story was to grow, to grow, to grow. And as soon as it wasn't to grow, to grow, to grow, and they weren't growing, it was panic. And so they were kind of forced into this. And we've seen it before. They were forced in this space that if we're not growing, investors are going to lose faith in us and we're going to lose our top spot as the growers. And if we can't grow, we can't pay. We can't keep buying our next uh, childcare if we can't do that. And they're just trying to run as fast as they can from the Mm. inevitable doom, which is eventually the day glitters are going to knock on the door and say, we need this. Yeah, Neither and don't get me back. wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily pr- think that privatization of care is a bad thing, because the public centres have to lift if they want to get clients over the private, and people become also more aware of quality mm. when there's when there's competition. With the benchmark, so, effectively. Yeah. Yes. So I, 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 privatization of care, I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. And this, this goes for every single mm. business ever. If you lose sight of what you're supposed to be doing and delivering, your strategy is going to fall over, regardless of anything, because you're going to lose the customer or mm. you're going to oversell something or you're going to be focused on growth. Focusing on growth is not a bad thing, but then mm. you need to recognise when you need to pivot into a stabilisation strategy and when you mm. need to start going, okay, 
we're not grow, 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 but you need to convince the market we're done growing, but this is our new strategy. We're going to stabilize. This is how we're cash flow positive, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't have to be we've reached the ceiling of growth and crap, we now need to grow by another couple of million dollars in the next year or mm. everyone's going to fall off. You can say we're done growing. We we still think we, we can rise in value because this is the value that we're providing society. It's a bold space to have some confidence as a board and a group of directors or whoever's going to be impacted by that eventual, that probable short-term downgrade to go, no, for the next year, we're, we're, we're not only the grow company, we're the stabilization company and the, yeah. and the market not might, might not like this, but we need to be able to get our house in order yeah. And to stabilize and put those operations in to show because there's got to be a point where she goes, well, we, we just can't get into any more debt. That's yeah. $2.7 million. $2.7 billion is a yeah. lot. Yeah. But people traditionally have faith in people who go, this is, this is the path that's going to be the best. And if you're really um, transparent, mm. people – People stay around at least for a little while to see what that might do. We all love ignoring the disclaimer that says past performance is not indicative of future performance. Yeah. We all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you did pretty good, didn't you? So, you know, we're probably going to go better. Like, have, have my money. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's fine until it's not. Yeah. 100%. I think it's also interesting to... Look at Eddie as a leader. It's, it's a certain stereotype. Yeah. And look, I think we covered it a little bit in our big review TV episode mm-hmm. um, where there's you've got this leader who's so focused on growth, mm-hmm. their fingers are in all these different pies and they're wanting to move into different areas and they're wanting to grow, 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 but they're not focusing on what exists in the current sphere. So there's, mm-hmm. you're going to lose sight of a lot of things. So for example, like when you said that uh, the company came in to restructure, that other company came in to restructure. McGrath Nickel, yeah. McGrath Nickel. They were like, oh, these centres are doing really poorly. Mm. Shut them down. That's something mm. Eddie should have known about and yeah. been across and been like, mm. okay, why don't, aren't these centres doing well? Is it location? Is it maybe the staff in those locations aren't consistent? Is it Is like- it the things like the operational scale elements that they brought in don't play out, particularly in that environment for whatever reason? They need different backup office. And so there's extra money going in, toilet paper costs them more in that certain sector. Like there's yeah. there's so many things that like you could start to look at. And Eddie started in 1988 and his journey went 20 years almost. So many changes would have happened and massive digitization and industry yeah. changes, sector-wide government changes, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like he didn't ride that wave. And I think yeah. he kind of clutched onto the, the knowledge that he had. Yeah. Because you're right in terms of there would have been systems and understanding and new ways of thinking to look at a giant 2,300 different data points and go, oh, hang on, is there something over here that we need to look at? Yeah. There was a bit of, for me old school business mentality around like, well, we keep growing. We keep still like we're going. We'll be fine. Yeah. Back but on. Al- also, I read a book and I, for the life of me, cannot remember it. I read a book about rapid growth <laughs> and it argued that the CEO that launches the company should not be the one that stabilizes the company because they're different skill sets. Oh, 100%. And we see this so much, yeah. Yeah, but and then there's also should be an interim CEO that is 
focused on because like that startup phase is very mm-hmm. different to okay now we've got a hundred staff and we want to mm-hmm. or we've got a hundred centers and we want to make that a hundred and fifty thousand centers mm-hmm. there's an interim ceo that 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 is that would be an expert in that area and mm-hmm. then when stabilization comes in you bring in the stabilization ceo mm-hmm. expert because mm-hmm. they're very different personality types and they're very mm-hmm. different focuses. So the fact that Eddie was CEO through all of that, he's still got that startup phase mentality when he should be stabilising. So that's an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And if he was wanting to stay a part of that, you make him chairman of the board or, or something like that. It's like we see in Silicon Valley, a lot of the people, they come up with the idea, they have the brilliant app or whatever it might be and they go this is the app this is amazing and then when they move to the next stage that person graciously steps aside into a more of a cto role a chief technology officer role so they're maintaining said technology but the person who's running it who comes in as a chief operating officer or chief executive officer is taking it to that next step and you see either the individual goes through the change in terms of the individual from a cto the individual who came up with the idea acknowledges mm. that they need the business training, the coaching to be able to transition. Mm. It doesn't always work. There's a very few examples of it working. Mm. Google is probably one where you can start to consider, but again, with a lot of support and and help. But it's real that's a it's a really interesting point. Yeah. It just and wasn't I, the right fit. It wasn't the right fit for the for the geek. Yeah, and it takes humility to do that. Alligator shoes and humility. I'd like to see that Venn diagram. That's a Venn diagram of both those. <laughs> And also, listeners, if you do wear alligator shoes and have a lot of humility, please reach out. We would really love to listen to you. And for our sister podcast that we're considering, <laughs> think we'll yeah, get no, maybe I think, three episodes. I think, yeah, and I, like what, what I think what you're about to say is imagine building something and then having to step aside because you know that that's what is best for it. It's easier said than done, which is why we do the podcast and don't rapidly grow businesses. Represent brings us to probably the end of this episode. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that, Emily. That's and, great. And listener, thank you for bringing the attention at yeah. Childcares. I'll keep finding out and digging into where there may be further issues. Thanks for listening to this episode and we hope you have reached the state of humility without your alligator shoes. If you would like to learn more for your business, head over to our website, thebigconsultingagency.com and sign up to the mailing list to hear news about workshops and stay up to date with the new episodes. And where can they find you, Dale? You can find me on Dale Bryce L on all platforms. And I think I mentioned last episode, but we are on TikTok and we're, we're blowing up. So the big con pod on TikTok. Uh, drop us a like or, or a the kids comment. kids are loving uh, us. <laughs> yay. Uh, not, wasn't and- our target audience. Don't forget to also follow us and rate us on your podcast app. Thank you so much, Dale. That was awesome. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.